Hi, I'm Libby. And I'm Farron. And this is the tip of the iceberg. It's not like a maniac attacking his wife in the middle of Safeway. Welcome back. Episode two, the tip of the iceberg. Hello. Who knew we'd make it this far? Who knew? (laughs) We are doing great. Yes, I imagine we have many, many listeners at this yes. point. Lots. Mm-hmm. Lots yeah, of the numbers, listeners. The numbers reflect that. They sure do. I just envision people all over our great nation and our great county Yep, listening to this. Our great nation and our great county. <laughs> <laughs> By the light of their computer screen. Yes. listening. Someone's in an oversized plush, plush chair. I love that, plush chairs. Mm-hmm. By, a, by a fireplace. Yes, oh, Sipping That's my dream. a warm beverage. I want that right now. Learning about domestic violence. Yep. Sexual assault. That's the dream. Gender-based violence. Yep. There's many of you we know, not yep. just the one person that has reflected in our numbers that we've seen. <laughs> There's not just one of you. No. There mm. are many. <laughs> well, welcome. <laughs> Today, um, we wanted to jump in and talk a little bit about what exactly domestic violence is, right? We talked last week about how... It's one of those things that people talk about, but they don't really talk about. Right. Right. So, I mean, raise your hand if you have ever heard a myth about domestic violence. I'm raising my hand. Yeah, it's important to note that we are both raising our hands. Both hands. (laughs) And I assume that our multitude of listeners, the person in the plush chair by the fire, also is raising their hand. I'm sure they are. They're probably in comfy pajamas. It's it's important to note that that's our expectation for this podcast, so when you do listen to it, you must be in an oversized plush chair. Comfy jammies, hot chocolate, or tea. Mm -hmm. That's the standard. Yeah. For us. That's what you should be doing when you listen to a podcast. Or driving. I always listen while I'm driving. Me too. Me too. Well, I mean, if you're driving, always use your blinker. That's my biggest Do not talk on the phone. No. Right. No wrecks here. Yeah. So with those um, ground rules in place. Right. Domestic violence myths. Let's get to domestic violence myths. They're so common. They are so common. And it's important as we start this podcast to talk about them because I expect that most people have them. I agree. Most people believe in some of these myths because they don't know, because they don't do this work all the time. And so they only know what they see on TV and what they've heard from media because how like would that. you know different right you wouldn't. you wouldn't yeah, yeah unless you've either lived it or worked in it absolutely yeah and Farron and I were talking about this and we were thinking like well you know should we do a case what should we do sorry I just it's brushed okay. your knee it's all right <laughs> and we decided that it's hard to jump in and do a case review and really understand something if we don't fully understand domestic violence or our heads are filled with things that might not be 100% true. Right. Maybe they're like 65% true. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's really important. So, without further ado, let's jump into our first myth. Should we talk about where these myths came from? These facts mm-hmm. came from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a really good idea. So, we are um, going to read some pretty common myths about domestic violence and some facts um, that sort of squash those myths. Um, And this material came from a man named Lundy Bancroft, who, if if you've worked in domestic violence work, you know him well. He is an expert on basically abusers and batterers. Um, He's done a ton of therapy and batter intervention, and he's written a lot of books about um, the dynamics of domestic violence 
Um, and so we took these from him just to give him credit. He's great. Very he's a smart guy. He's terrific. Yes. So, so, myth number one. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, domestic violence is just a loss of temper. He or she just needs anger management classes. Boy. So this is a common myth. Yeah. If right? I had a, if I had a dollar for every yeah. time I heard that. Yeah. He's really, and, and I think a lot of survivors say that. He's really yeah. angry. If he could just go to anger management, this wouldn't happen. Right? Weirdly enough, I feel like I hear this more from survivors of domestic violence than people outside of domestic violence. Yeah, I, I do too. Yeah. For sure. I've heard it from a lot of people. Yeah. Survivors. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Lundy, the expert, says domestic abuse is the opposite of a momentary loss of temper or a loss of control over emotions. Oh, yeah, this makes so much sense. Um, because domestic violence is really like a control thing. Yes. And it's, it's very calculated. Yeah. And so he goes on to say that extensive interviews with abusers and studies of abusive behavior show that batterers make conscious, calculated decisions in order to control their partner. The same extensive interviews with abusers show that abusers actually have a great deal of self-control and rarely do anything that they consider morally wrong. So this is why we don't see domestic violence. Yeah. Like, it's... uh, I will correct myself and say it can happen in public. I've seen that. I've seen... I've had survivors Um, come here who have been victimized in public. But for the most part, perpetrators are really good at saving it for when they're home behind closed doors. Yeah, because absolutely. it's not like a maniac attacking his wife in the middle of Safeway. That's what right? I was thinking. Like, you don't see... When you when we talk about domestic violence, there's a huge spectrum of what can happen, right? Right. But a, a lot of what people assume is physical violence, which happens all the time. And so... When that happens, and you have that picture, it's not like you're walking down the grocery aisle right. looking for your frozen peas and you just see some dude like wailing on his wife. Right. That you don't see that. No. And if it was a momentary loss of temper or he just like snapped, then I think we'd see a lot more of that in public. So this makes total because sense. Because we do to see that in public with other situations. People yeah. who have a momentary loss of temper or get frustrated and you can see that they're visibly shaken. Moms at Walmart when their kids are acting a fool in the toy section. Yeah. Here I am. And you can see <laughs> the momentary loss of temper, right? right? But I rarely, if ever, have seen that with a man no. or a woman and their partner. No. That typically doesn't happen in public. No. It can, and it does, but it's not the norm. Yeah. Right. Right. So that makes sense. It's yes. not like a, just a, a temper tantrum or a loss of temper. Like, we all have a tendency to get angry. Yeah. We all have a tendency to lose our tempers, but most of us don't choose to hit or abuse our significant other and take that anger out on them. Absolutely. Right? Most people don't do that. Totally, totally. Okay. Um, Myth number two. He or she abuses because of abuse as a child Mm. or they were treated poorly by a previous partner. Um, So this is interesting Mm -hmm. um, because Lundy's facts state that multiple research studies examining the link between abuse as a child and battering behavior show that it does not create batterers, that there are children who are abused who grow up to not be abusive. I do think, though, your risk of being abusive or being abused as an adult are increased if you are abused as a child. Yeah, I'm trying to think... Or witness abuse. I'm trying to think about this statistic. When I was in school, my background is in social work, and when I was in school, we talked a lot about this Mm -hmm. and how... There's this 
I wish I knew the statistic. I'm so unprepared. But it's something like um, a great majority of people who abuse others have experienced abuse as well. Yeah. And so that that statistic always confused me as well because I've known so many people who have been abused that have lived really healthy lives and been normal. And so when I did some digging into this, I found that it's not... So the, the wording is confusing, right? Yeah. Because they say a good majority of the people that abuse have been abused, which I would say that's true, mm-hmm. right? But a smaller number of people that have been abused do abuse. So it's kind of the flip side right. of that. So I feel like those were a lot of the same words over and over again. But basically, the number of abusers that have been abused is high. Yes. But the number of people that uh, have been abused, that their numbers of abusing is low. Whoa. Interesting. Did that, did that no, make that sense? No, that makes sense. <laughs> oh that my makes gosh. sense. If I had the numbers, it would make a lot more sense. That makes sense. Yeah. And I think this is two kind of two... Um, Myths in one. So he or she abuses because of abuse as a child, yeah. one. And then, or they were treated poorly by a previous partner, two. Yeah. I think that's very much less common. That, like, somebody's abusive because they were treated poorly by their former partner. Oh, yeah. I, that, I don't think that so. All. No. I don't think that's, no. <laughs> no. That's not. That's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to say that's wrong. Okay. I mean, uh, but why might people think that? Because I think this this one, the last one we see a lot with survivors of abuse that they talk about. But I think this one, a lot of people just in the general community feel that way. That people abuse because... Yeah, because yeah. they have an abuse. I've heard that a bunch. Because they've been abused. Yeah. yeah. Well, isn't there a saying, hurt people hurt people? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. That makes sense. That makes sense. I don't think that this myth is as harmful yeah. as some others. Yeah, I agree. Right? I agree. And I, because I think that while this myth isn't true, there's layers of truth. Like, there are. hurt people hurt people. Yeah. Right? right? But this is not an excuse to... No, because there are plenty people. of people who grow up in very dysfunctional exactly. families, abusive families, yes. um, who don't grow up to be abusive. Yeah. Like I said, the I think they can high. grow up with other trauma. Yeah. Um, and they can grow up to have maybe a predisposition to having some anxiety or depression or things like that, but they're not necessarily abusive. Right. So I think that... Um, there are other it's elements. harmful to put that statement over. Like, yeah. I, I think it's harmful to people who. I kind of think it sets people up for failure. I agree. You know, little well, kids who have dysfunctional exactly. homes, like they're going to grow up to be an abuser, and that's just not Which, necessarily true. That has been said to people. Yeah. Like I, our clients are terrified of that happening. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like I have, I have seen that happen, and it's not fair because these people have these kids are. I mean. I guess in this case, we're talking about kids, yeah, who have been abused as children. They are told or cautioned, I guess, mm-hmm. like, well, you've seen this. Now, you know. You're kind of ruined this for is, life. This is you. Now yeah. you're going to be a perpetrator. That's you're hard. an abuser. That's not that's fair. That's like triple trauma. Yeah, that's really crappy. Because of how much it hurt you. Right. Hmm, it's just a, a I think it's just kind of a, I think it's an observation to make, but I think you can't put that blanket statement over everybody that's abusive. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. There's a lot there. No, there is a lot. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Um, he or she abuses because he or she feels so strongly about me. People cause the most pain to those they care about. Ooh, most. that one's a pretty good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Well, I think that's a tactic that a lot of abusers oh, use. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And that's something that a lot of survivors believe. Yeah. That they abuse me because they love me so much. They feel so strongly about me. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I've heard that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I bring out such intense emotions that sometimes it's hard to sort out the good and the bad. It's mm-hmm. just there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So some of the facts here are feelings do not directly cause behavior. Everyone deals with feelings differently, which means something happens between a feeling and an emotion mm-hmm. that results in a behavior. Yeah. And I think you could talk a little bit more about that as a social work. I mean, you're a social worker and mental health professional. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I think this is... I think that's what you do a lot in therapy, right? Like you do a lot in therapy, but that's a really common thing that you talk about is like, what are your feelings and how do they influence the way you act? Yeah. Because everyone has feelings and they all influence our behaviors. Right. Right. Like, for example, like I'm a heavy diet Coke drinker. We Mm -hmm. know this. Mm -hmm. And so if I have a bad day or a good day, (laughs) those feelings are going to be like, well, I should really mediate this yeah. if it's bad or celebrate this with a Diet Coke, right? right? But that doesn't mean that I'm, that's all I'm going to do, right? Right, And that can be changed. And right. if I say, wow, I've had a lot of Diet Coke today, yeah. just because I feel that way doesn't mean that I'm going to go get another Diet Coke. Right. Could we think of a less harmful example to compare with abuse? (laughs) Drinking Diet Coke slash abusing your partner. That's very very, the same. Yes. (laughs) Right. But if you have these feelings, right. It just goes to show that, like, everybody has those feelings. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So if you have these feelings, like, when you're saying they care about you a lot, um, if, if, if these feelings are happening, right, and you're like, whoa, intense emotion, huge love, huge anger, huge whatever... There's a long way to go between saying, I'm in love, I'm angry, whatever, between and hurting somebody. Yeah. Right? You're yeah. not going to jump from, I'm feeling this feeling, to I'm going to punch you in the face. Right. And if you are, then a lot needs to be happening between that. Yeah. So I don't, yeah, I think that this is one of those things that's like blown out of proportion mm-hmm. in domestic violence situations. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Um, okay, so he or she is mentally ill or an addict and needs medication and therapy. We hear that one a lot, too. That, we do hear that one a lot. Um, and we know, and research shows that abusers most, most of the time are normal psychologically, do not suffer from a severe and persistent mental illness that causes mm-hmm. them to be abusive. And in fact, we also know from, um, research that... People who have mental illnesses are much more likely to be abused themselves than yeah. to hurt others. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, um, when I looked at this list of myths, um, that one stuck out to me too because I am a clinical social worker and so I do spend a lot of time thinking about mental health. And I thought that his explanation was really this is good. interesting. Yeah. Interesting when you think about it. So he says, many abusers are psychologically normal, in quotes, um, but their value system is unhealthy, which totally makes sense to me as I read it. Right. So he calls it the abusive mentality. So it's not their psychology, but it's their values. So that's why this is a myth because someone can go receive mental health treatment for anger management or whatever their mental illness is and still their battering wouldn't change Mm -hmm. 
because it's their values. Mm -hmm. They believe that this is a right, that they have the right to batter, and they have the right to exert control like that. This is a great point. A mentally ill person would also have difficulty maintaining healthy friendships and job relationships. Mm -hmm. Most abusers have no difficulty maintaining jobs or completing educational programs, and it's usually just their partner and children that see their explosive side. And we know that is a fact. Yeah. When we see, I mean, anybody who's ever watched the news after a DV homicide, the neighbors are always shocked. Like, they seemed like a great family. They were perfect. He was such a nice guy. He seemed like a great dad. Yeah. And inside, she was living in total hell. Right. Right. And if you have And if he was a crazy mentally ill person that that people picture when they think of a batterer, the neighbors would not... Say that. They'd or, say, that guy seemed a little... There was something weird. There's something about it. Or even anyone who's experienced mental illness, mm-hmm. like, if you... Even with things like anxiety and depression, that doesn't just show up at home. Right? No. If you have anxiety, then you have anxiety... Always. Always. Yes. And everywhere. Right. And so it's not like, we're going back to Safeway, right? Frozen you don't save peas. your panic attack for when you get home. Exactly. It's going to happen at the Safeway in the right. frozen peas section. And we don't see that. Right, no. So I think this is a super, super, super common myth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the third point here, mental illness and substance addiction can occur with an abusive mentality, but treatment for mental illness and substance abuse will not fix an abusive mentality. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that Lundy has seen that in a lot of batterer intervention that mm-hmm. like you can solve, you don't solve, but you can get a hold of the addiction, the alcoholism or drug addiction, and you can get a hold of any mental illness that's going on. But that value system, that foundation, that need for power and control Mm -hmm. is still there. Right. Right. And that's not to say, okay, so this is controversial. Yeah. (laughs) Because when working like in domestic violence service providers, this is a controversial view. Mm -hmm. Controversial. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think personally that that is to say that no one can come back from being a batterer. Mm hmm. Um, with mental health treatment. Yes, I agree. I think that while it isn't mental illness, if a batterer is like, whoa, 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 something's not right here, and goes and receives mental health treatment, there's a possibility that that can be changed. Yeah. Those batterer mentalities. But it's not going to be like with traditional treatment for whatever anger management Mm -hmm. or whatever that people say that batterers have. It's going to be like, where do these values come from? We need to change those. Yeah, that's a lot more intensive. And if you don't want to change your values, then you're not going to change change. Which is why you see such varied results with batterer intervention. Which is what we talked about last week, right? Which with that, like most batterer intervention, most people who go through batterer intervention are court-ordered by a judge because they've been charged with domestic violence. And that much like drug and alcohol intervention, if it's court-ordered, it's it's less successful than someone who says, I need help. Right. I want help. So I think this is one of those harmful things that's like, because it kind of equates if you know somebody who's a batterer and they go to therapy, then it's like, all is good. All is Yeah, and I think a lot of survivors think that if their perpetrators receive therapy, um, what I've seen too is people who are in marriage counseling Mm -hmm. as a means of helping um, an abusive relationship. I, I think the counselor learns that. I don't think maybe the counselor realizes in my uh-huh. experience that this is what's going on. Yeah. I've had counselors tell me that they've seen men just explode. Most of the time men, right. Explode in these counseling sessions and get really scary. Um, 
But I think a lot of victims of domestic violence really believe that, like, if he could get help, if he could get therapy... Which is true. Then he would, this would all be better. Which is true. But he has to be in a place where he wants wants to change. And it doesn't, it's not just anybody. Like, I don't believe that just any, and I'm sure mental health professionals would agree, it's a special type of therapy by someone who specializes in batter intervention. Right. I don't think that you go to a, just a normal social worker or counselor and solve somebody's battering behavior. Yeah. Forever. I think that's, that's a big steep hill to climb. Um, I think it's a different... It's a different way of thinking. Yeah. And so you kind of have to have more experience, I guess, working with this type of personality or this type of person. Because it's different than what you traditionally see. Yeah. It's not anger management. No. Yeah, it's a whole other ball whack. It's a different different thing. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. I'm going to skip around a little bit. Okay. Um, oh, this is, this is a good one. He or she suffers from low self-esteem. He or she needs their need, their self-image to be raised up. So they just have terrible self-esteem. Okay, so what, who doesn't suffer from low self-esteem? Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, most of us, mm-hmm. at one point or another, suffer from a little bit of low self-esteem. Most people struggle with yeah. that. I think this one is interesting, too, because when we talk about people who are more vulnerable to be abused, mm-hmm. low self-esteem is a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's what he says here, yeah. is that if this were true, then being a victim of abuse, as someone who is a victim of abuse, you tend to have low self-esteem because yeah. that is a way of, of remaining in an, of keeping someone in an abusive relationship right. is ruining their self-esteem. You tear them down. And so they would themselves turn into crazy batterers because they have yeah. low self-esteem. And we don't see that happening. And we do not see that happening. No. Ever. Never. No. No. Um, And so if it's not an excuse for a victim, it's not, it can't be for a batterer. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Um, It says here too, he he says that in his work with abusers, they they expect catering and attention because they believe that they deserve it, Mm -hmm. indicating that they think highly of themselves. And last week when we were talking about court and... DV case is going to trial, and I said that I think abusers are very arrogant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I still think that. Yeah. And now I feel validated that that says that. <laughs> Good. Because that's what I think. Well, you and Lundy, you know. Me and Lundy. Same page. One and the same. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> well, and I think, too, that a lot of times abusers think that they can do all of this and get away with it. For sure. Because they're super smart. Yeah. And super talented. Yeah. And that doesn't really line up traditionally with low self-esteem. And they know everything. Yeah. Um, how many survivors have come in here and said that their abuser was, he's killed people with his bare hands. <laughs> he is a sharpshooter. Used to. Sniper. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he has worked for the, you know, the CIA as an interrogator. Yeah. That's he how he is knows. brilliant. I mean, that's so what he's telling her. Yeah. It doesn't sound like. Yeah. I mean, I think he thinks pretty highly of himself. A lot of true, the time. and also when we look at like the fundamentals of domestic violence, yeah. it always comes back to power and control, right. right? So, as a person with low self-esteem, would I'm not saying like as a person, no, you, but yeah, no, I would, a yeah. person with low self-esteem, yeah. would do you think that they would traditionally feel that they needed to have the power and control? No, I because think that makes more sense to me that they'd be like, I don't. I, I think that they the would power. think they're not, they shouldn't. They're not, not capable of making decisions. Exactly. They aren't worthy. Yeah. Like a victim feels. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm going to put a giant myth That's stamp a giant on this one. 
This one is a huge no-no. Yeah, no. No, <laughs> no way. Not at all. Not at all. Um, domestic violence only happens in poor families. Mm-hmm. I see that here. I think a lot of people think that, that domestic violence only happens to certain certain people, certain women. Um, yeah. I think people think that about sexual assault, too. Yeah. I know that I had those misconceptions when I went to college with sexual assault. Um, and we can say in Laramie, um, you know, domestic violence happens in all um, levels of society, right? No matter if somebody's living in poverty, if somebody's middle class, if somebody's got a lot of money, um, we, we hear yeah. all the time in the media about very powerful men committing acts of domestic violence. Just recently, my, uh, Michael Avenatti, is that his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Stormy Daniels' lawyer. We were just talking about that. Right. He was just arrested for DV a couple yeah. weeks ago. Um, had a 23-year-old girlfriend. The guy's in his, what, I don't even know how old he is. Much older than 23. Yeah. Which is, I, I think, a little bit of a red flag. Um, oh, yeah. He was, like, 20 he was like, years He's, older like, way her. older. Yeah. Um. And he's he's a powerful guy, got a lot of money. He's really successful. He's a lawyer. Um, so clearly, that's not a case of happening in a yeah a I, poor family. I was right? just googling this, or the judge we talked about last week. Yeah, yeah. And I was just googling this too, and I can't I'm looking on my Instagram because I know I follow her, but I can't find it. Maybe you'll know. You follow Stormy Daniels? No. Oh, <laughs> yes, um, <laughs> yes, I do. No, but um, there, you're gonna know who this is, so yeah. hopefully you'll be able to say her name. Okay, but it. When I went to this conference a while ago, mm-hmm. we had a guest speaker, and she, her, I don't know her name, gosh. I feel like every every time I'm like, and it's this thing, but I don't know what it's called, so we're just going to go That's with it. happened last week with the story about exactly. purgatory. It's okay. Um, so she was married to a high political figure, yeah. and he was really, he was in the White House. He, do you remember the scandal? This um, was it under this administration? I don't think so. Oh, because there was with Rob Porter. Rob Porter. Yeah. Rob Porter. What's yeah. his ex-wife's name? I do not know her name, but I know about Rob Porter. Yeah, I'm going to Google it. So yeah. she spoke, and she talked about how that was a huge concern for her when she she was living in a domestic violence situation, and Jennifer Willoughby. Okay, yeah, that's right. Found it. Yeah. Jennifer Willoughby, yeah. So she was talking about how um, when she was trying to come to terms with whether what she, she knew it was unhealthy, she Mm -hmm. felt unsafe, and Mm -hmm. she's like, what is happening? Is this domestic violence? Is it not? Because she went to therapy, and and her therapist was like, this is domestic violence. And she's like, no, 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 it's absolutely not, because I'm not poor. I am well-educated. I'm independent. Um, I'm independent. I'm super smart. I... That is not, I am not a victim. That is not what domestic violence is. And she talked about her journey of figuring out how is it that I'm a victim when I don't identify with this role as victim. Yeah. So she's a, she's a perfect example of how this can happen anywhere. Absolutely. Because if you think about Rob Porter, super rich, rich Very family, smart guy. Worked in the White House. Super Successful smart. guy. Yeah. He's Call not me. some low life who, you know, no. doesn't have a job and no. never, you know, graduated from eighth grade. Absolutely. You know, he's he's a pretty accomplished man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you want to find out more about how domestic violence looks in different different families and different socioeconomic statuses, look her up because she's really cool. Yeah. She talks a lot That's about awesome. it. That's awesome. Yeah, for sure. Okay. What is next? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. This one we talked a little bit about last week. Hmm. But um, this myth, the victim can always walk away from the relationship. Ooh. 
We hear this so, this so much. So this is a big right? one. And I think this is probably the most harmful yeah, I agree. and the most common myth about domestic violence. I was just at um, Thanksgiving last week and we were talking in my grandma's kitchen about my work. And my uncle said, I don't get that. Just leave. You know, mm-hmm. why don't they just leave? And I'm, I can't be mad at him for thinking that because I literally hear that from every, mm-hmm. everybody yeah. from the, the, the people that I meet at, at presentations or if I'm grocery shopping and I have a safe project shirt on and they're like, gosh, I just don't know why those women can't just leave. Yeah. Um, I think this is the most harmful myth. I agree. Because as we said last week and as all data shows, a majority of People, men or women, but we'll say women, who are murdered in domestic violence homicides are murdered when they've left. Yeah, for sure. So why would you, if somebody's constantly saying they're going to kill you and they've threatened violence against your family, your children, Mm -hmm. if you leave me, I will kill you. And I will kill your mom. And I will kill your parents. I will kill the children. I will kill the dog. I mean, like we said last week, you know your abuser better than anybody. And I think it's fair for these women to really fear for their lives if they leave. Yeah. And sometimes that's a bluff, right? From mm-hmm. an abuser, totally. But sometimes it's sometimes not. It, and how do you know that when you're a victim? Exactly. Right? How is she supposed to know that? Because they do have all of the control. Yes. And so, yes, we're talking about, like, lethality, right? Yes. Of leaving. Why yes. don't they just leave? Because they might die straight up, literally. Yeah. But also there are so many other barriers. Totally. Too. Totally. Like, I think that when we look at domestic violence, almost, I think it would be bold to say all, but I would say almost all of the cases of domestic violence we have, there's a huge element of financial abuse. Oh, totally. I mean, it's not that far off to say all, really. No. Yeah. Because... Even among wealthier families. Yeah, absolutely. Because when you're in these situations, in these domestic violence situations, a huge power grab is the money. Mm -hmm. So that might look like having the house in his name or her name in the abuser's name having the car the bank accounts like you don't have atm codes you don't have you have no access to to money so if you are leaving you leave with what you have yeah you leave with the clothes on your back and start from zero yeah yeah because i mean if you're married mm-hmm. then you have to file for divorce and yeah. go through a whole thing which can which I think we know that, like, the more money is wrapped up in a marriage and the more assets and the more Mm -hmm. kids and all that, it can take forever to get divorced. So what's she supposed to do for six months or whatever while they're figuring that out? And that's if they're married. If they're married. Yeah. And even if they're not, she's still leaving with... She doesn't even have access to any of that. Right. Yeah, totally. So why don't you... Why doesn't she just leave? Well, because you're going to the streets. And do you not think... So I could do a whole hour-long <laughs> podcast on this myth because I it pisses me off. I, I agree. Like, do you not think that these women have considered this? Like, oh, maybe I should just leave. Like, <laughs> I, I guess nah. that's... I'm like, honestly, I'm sure it's come to mind. Yeah, that maybe thought. once or twice. Maybe I wish I could just leave. And the bottom line is, is women do not stay in abusive relationships because they want to be abused. No. Nobody wants to be abused. No. Nobody deserves to be abused. And even exiting a healthy relationship is hard. Yes. Divorce is hard. I have friends who have gotten divorced and they've divorced men who were not abusive. And it was awful. It was awful for yeah. everybody. For the kids, for her, for the mom and dad, for the whole family, everybody, extended family, it's awful. So leaving a person who is a total maniac, 
who has control over every aspect of your life, who you're afraid is going to kill you and take your kids away or kill the whole family and won't give you any money. I mean, come on. Like, I think that the, I think that the thing that frustrates me and gets my hackles up is this, this like tone of like, well, why doesn't she just break up with him? I agree. Like, um, I'm sure she's thought about it. And what you're saying is so important. That ticks me off. But we have to pause because I've never heard the phrase gets my hackles up. Oh, is that not a phrase? What I think does my Grammy that says mean? it. I think it means it makes me mad. I think my Grammy, I don't know what, what a hackle. What is a hackle? I'm not sure. I think it's on chickens. Like feathers? <laughs> no. I don't know. Okay, well, um, Farron's uh, hackles are up. My hackles. <laughs> no, but I, I agree. That, that one, I just feel like it's ignorant. That one ticks me off. And I think and it's a little real dangerous. Too. It's very dangerous. Yeah. yeah, I agree with you. So if that's what, if you think that, stop it. <laughs> Done, you've cured it. There we go. That's the biggest myth I want you to get rid of that's, right now. Yeah, that one's a huge that's one. That's a bad one. What, do you think we probably have time for one more? Oh, yeah. One more? Two more? Yeah, a couple more. Okay. All right. Cool. Cool. We gotta pick pick wisely then. Yeah. There's a, there's a whole list of them mm-hmm, here. Mm-hmm. Mm, okay. This one, this one, I think is important. Okay. Because this is a huge myth that we see in TV and movies. Okay. Because there's like a general plot line yeah. that people follow. Okay. When storytelling. Yeah. Like I'm you are all, right now. I'm the, <laughs> all, all the suspense. I don't even know which one. I'm you're building up suspense. You're really good almost at it. Yeah. like in number fourteen, oh. which is abuse is always an escalating pattern. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of people like okay because of that J Lo movie and all of oh, the, that's a good one all enough. Of, yes, yeah, yeah, and all the other movies. It's kind of like that where you like um, it always builds up and escalates the same way because that's how we tell stories. Mm-hmm. And so when it's reflected in news and TV and songs and movies and etc. Mm-hmm. Following story lines is important mm-hmm. and that means escalating yep but that's not what we see in real life no 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 that's not reality no 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 um so lundy our friend lundy says although abuse might escalate in the beginning of a relationship as well as during some life events such as pregnancy and getting married not all abusers escalate their abuse through the entire relationship mm-hmm. abusers learn what works to main con- maintain control, and they will continue to use those methods while they work. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's it's all about the control thing. And so early in a relationship, I feel like an abuser learns quickly, like, this is what works for me. And so very frequently we see the cycle of abuse. Yeah. I'm drawing a circle in the air, which yep. you can't see. <laughs> yes, I see it. But Farron does, so it's fine. I, I can, yep. is, it, is it calming your... Hackles, yeah, my hackles are still. I'm still a little You're irritated. Still a little <laughs> irritated. That was irritating. So the the cycle of abuse. There's these phases, right? So do you want to talk about the cycle of abuse? Yeah. So the cycle of violence. Of violence. Um, violence. Yep. Yeah. So you can look at it either either as like a a linear model yeah. or a circle. I picture it as a circle because it's too. a cycle. Yeah, I do too. Um, so at first in the cycle, you see a tension building phase. Right. So tensions are building. There's some fighting. Maybe somebody's not acting like themselves. This is before anything has happened. Mm-hmm. Um, the second phase of the cycle is the incident phase. So that's where something happens. That's where either somebody calls calls the person a bitch. Right. Yeah. Or um, makes a threat against their safety or there's physical abuse. Right. And it's scary and it's upsetting. And then that sometimes can can end with the person who's being abused 
feeling like I need to, maybe I need to leave this relationship. This isn't safe for me. I'm angry. I'm hurt. And then that third phase is the honeymoon phase, which we hear about all the time. And that is, I'm sorry, I won't do it again, gifts, promises. Um, And what we know about domestic violence is the more times that that cycle is complete, the less time it takes to complete it. And that the honeymoon phase is all a part of the violence. Mm -hmm. It's all a part of maintaining control. Right. Right. So that totally fits here, right? Yeah. Because it's not all like a completely uphill. No. Like it's escalating, 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 ex- escalating. Like on a movie. Right. Yeah. Like, like J-Lo. Um, it's a cycle, yep. right? Goes up and down. Things build, 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 build. Climax. Big thing happening. And then goes back down. Mm-hmm. And you have this honeymoon phase and everything feels a little better and things are okay. And you're like, oh, okay, it's, it's all fine. Mm-hmm. This is better now. And I think that it's important, and I think I might have said this, I can't remember, um, that the more times the cycle's completed, the less time it takes to complete. Yeah. And eventually yeah. that honeymoon phase is gone. Yeah. Because now we don't need to say I'm sorry and buy you flowers. No. Nope. Because you are terrified. Yeah. So now it's constant tension, abuse, tension, yeah. abuse. And the honeymoon phase... That's really over. Or it's pretty, like, rare. Yeah. It doesn't happen very often. And he says here, too, one of his bullet points is just because abuse is not worsening or escalating does not mean that it's less of a threat. Right. I agree with that. So, like, I think little things um, in domestic violence can be really scary. Like, things that what I always tell people is you really have to trust victims. Because even if it doesn't seem scary to you, it can be terrifying for that victim. So, like... We've heard of of cases where a victim was up on the stand testifying in a protection order hearing. And, of course, her perpetrator, her abuser, is in the room because he's he's there. Mm -hmm. And he takes off his wedding ring and puts it on the table. Right? And so you're looking at me like, why is that scary? That's scary because every time he hits her, he takes off his wedding ring. Mm -hmm. And she knows that. And she sees that. Yeah. And that fear is there. That intimidation is there. But looking at him, the judge doesn't... The judge doesn't see that. And if you were to say to an officer, oh, my gosh, he's taking off his wedding ring, he'd probably look at you like you had three heads. Terrific. But for her, that's terrifying. Absolutely. Well, and I think there's there's a lot of cases, too, in which things don't escalate and then all of a sudden they snap. Yes. Yeah. Like, um, what's that movie we just watched? At the Vigil. Oh, um, the one about Jessica Gonzalez. Yes, yes. And those little girls in... That's... Officers had a huge problem with that because they're like, he hasn't been physical, he hasn't been violent, things are basically at a standstill. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know that case, basically, there's pretty intense emotional abuse that happens all the way along, and then they separate, Mm -hmm. and things do not escalate. No. And then he kidnaps the kids, and a lot of people end up dead. Yeah, he kills the children. Yeah, he kills the this children. This happened in Castle Rock, Colorado. Yeah. Yeah, pretty and close so to here. And so there was this whole period of time in which things were not escalating. Right. Right? So, but she knew that the threat was not gone mm-hmm. because she was so, and that's why when the girls were, went missing, she was like code red. Yeah, she was really but scared. But people who buy into this myth, they're like, well, things haven't really escalated in a, long, in a long while. Everything's fine. Right. In this case, things were at a baseline until it escalated real quick. Yep. And then right every, there, everything right. went to hell. So the danger is still there. Oh, yeah. Regardless of what that looks like. Oh, yeah. Wise. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Sure. Um, do you want to do one more? We can do one more. Yeah, sure. I think so. Um, 
So head of households have the right to control the people they support. Mm-hmm. That's one of these. And I think that is something that people mm-hmm. believe. I do too. Um, I don't necessarily, I mean, I don't know. I think that maybe is a generational thing yeah, as well. Yeah, I agree. But I do think that that's something that people believe. That, like, traditionally, the man is the head of the household. The man is in control of the family. Um, and I think that it's fine if that is what... If that is what your culture is or what and your both family structure are signed is, on to that. I think that's okay. I think it's 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 different when it gets to where the head of the household is a maniac and is abusing and hitting the family and being crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't think that that. But I grew up in a Spanish family, yeah, and so it was kind of patriarchal. My grandfather yeah. was the head of the family, but it was my grandmother. Well, she was also the head of the family, and. There was a lot of, um, it was a healthy relationship, right. but it was also very generational too. I mean, sure. they're in their eighties. Yeah. Well, so. I mean, even a patriarchal family, that, that makes a lot of sense to a yeah. lot of people. And I totally get that. Yeah. Um, but it becomes a problem when you say I am the man of I'm the in household. And so I get, to, I get sex whenever I want. Yeah. I get to ration out toilet paper to you, which is what I've seen before at Safe Project. <laughs> yeah. As horrible as that sounds, I had a client who was rationed toilet paper. No oh yeah. I get to give you an allowance to go get groceries and you have to read me every item you bought mm-hmm. off the receipt and we have to make sure you didn't spend extra money or put some money away for like a, a little savings account cushion for you when you want to leave this relationship. You get to talk to who I want you to talk to. You get to have the friends I want you to mm-hmm. have. The family that I want you to have. That's right. That's when it becomes... Wear what I want you to wear. Right. Like, that's when it's taken to an extreme. Right. Yeah. But that's not okay. Right. So there's a lot of ways to have this not be abusive. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But there are a lot of ways in which it can be. It can be abusive. Yeah. Absolutely. And it can be really extreme. And I think... I was just thinking about this while you were talking. I, I wonder how... If... Abuse has escalated for people who are super, super, super into this patriarchal, I am in control, I am the head of the household, in maybe a negative way, as gender roles have shifted. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, as as women have become a little bit more equal in a lot of relationships, and mm-hmm. maybe like, I am going to go out and have a job, and I'm going to do this, and I get to make my own choices, I can imagine that for people, abusers who are really, really ingrained into this, I wonder if that makes the abuse worse. Yeah. What do you think? I think it can. Because abuse is all about power and control. Right. That's what it all comes down to. That's what sexual abuse all comes down to. And so, I mean, I think if somebody senses that they are, I mean, that's why so many of our clients aren't allowed to go to college. Yeah. They they start school and they're really excited because they're going to go get their degree and they get involved with a guy who's like, oh, you don't, you don't need that. You don't need a degree. I'll, I'll take, take care, care of you. Of you. <laughs> yeah. you don't need a job. Obviously, I'll take care obviously of you. we hear that a lot because yeah. we said that at the same time. <laughs> yeah. And like, I think it's true that like, it's common for women yeah. who are independent, who are trying to be independent, who have jobs, who have it really gets these guys' hackles up. Hackles, yeah. There we go again. See? They're all up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, I, I want to do some digging to find, like, the numbers on a national level to see what that looks like. Of right? women who, like, uh, the numbers of women who, how that abuse looks when Yeah, and I don't even know what I would Google. <laughs> I don't either. But, I mean, I just think it's interesting. I wonder how 
the shift in gender roles in a specific subset of abusers who are very, very tuned into that, how that escalates and what the abuse looks like. Or maybe maybe the escalation or the cycle of violence happens more frequently. Or yeah. That's interesting. It is really interesting. That's interesting. For me to think about. Going back to the myth about why women don't leave. Yeah. That UN study that just came out yes. that said that over yeah. half of female murders are because of intimate partner violence. Yeah. You can Google that. We'll and post read it. that we'll, study. It's it's interesting. Yeah, we'll post it on Safe Project social media as well. So if you're looking for that, you can find out. Over half page. of female homicides are intimate partner, or half of yeah, half of female homicides are intimate partner. Crazy, violence. crazy. And I mean, I know we've talked about this a little bit, not on the podcast, but other places. Mass shootings. Yes. Too. Yes. The number of mass shootings that are fueled by domestic violence, intimate partner violence, are so high. That one in Chicago just recently, that female, that ER doctor who was murdered by her ex-fiance, he came to the hospital to get his engagement ring. Yeah. And he met her in the parking lot and he shot her. And then he went into the hospital and shot a pharmacy, a pharmacist. Yeah. And he shot a police officer. Yeah. And I I don't know if he, he ended up deceased as well. I don't know if it was. I mean. But, I mean, that's a perfect example. Yeah. I think there's enough information on mass shootings and intimate partner violence. Do a whole episode on that. That's so. very interesting. We'll have to talk about Stay this. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Just one reason to subscribe to our yes, podcast. Yes, our podcast. Very <laughs> interesting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know how many myths we covered, but... Covered quite a few. I think some important ones. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully now you have a more... A closer to 100% knowledge of some of these things. Um, Or at least maybe you don't agree with some of these, and that's fine too, but at least you're thinking about it, right? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. What what do you think about these things? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. So if you have, um, and we are, we are, a obviously like a crisis intervention yeah. program, but like we are open to answering questions yeah. and coming and doing presentations for groups. Yeah. And so if anybody wants more information about domestic violence, sexual assault, wants us to come and talk to your workplace or, um, classroom, please reach out for sure because we are, we have a great outreach program, um, and we are eager to to do a lot of that stuff in the community. So, yeah, 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 absolutely. And honestly, even if you just call our office, I know I, I was doing a presentation one time and someone was like, well, I had a question, but I was just going to I just decided to email it to you because I thought people would be annoyed if I called the office and took up your time. Oh, that no. will never happen. No, <laughs> you are welcome to call our office. We are here eight to four Monday yeah. through Friday. Um, our office number is 307-742-7273. So call anytime. Yeah. Yeah. And if you are experiencing domestic violence, if you wonder if you're experiencing mm-hmm. domestic violence, or if you have a loved one, a friend, and yeah. you just need some advice on how do I help my friend, yeah. call us anytime. We have a 24-hour hotline, um, and there is always a trained advocate av- available to Absolutely. talk to you in person or over the phone. On that number... Is 307-745-3556. Am I right? Let's I look. haven't called the hotline Let's in a check. long time. Well, and that's a perfect segue as well because you can find all of this information it is in our podcast. It is. And um, our phone numbers on our website, which is safeproject.org. Dot O-R-G. O-R-G. And 745-3556 is the hotline. Yeah. I was correct. We just verified on I our, just verified on a brochure. Safeproject.org. Oh. 
<laughs> but, you know, for, for those people in the plushy chairs, maybe not in Albany County, because mm-hmm. I know there are so many of you. Yeah. Oh, I know. Um, it's, it's viral. We have national hotlines as well. Yes. Yep. So our national hotline, you can call this anywhere in the country, 1-800-799-7233. Or you can always call Safe Project and we can help you get in touch with someone in your local community yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And the national hotline also has a, a like a text, yeah. text feature. Yeah. Um, loveisrespect.org is a great resource for teens. Yeah. Um, they have a chat text feature. So there's a lot lots of resources yeah. out there and they're safe resources. Everything that you tell us is a hundred percent confidential. That's right. Um, minus child abuse. My, yeah. Minus child abuse. So, um, we are safe. We are a safe resource. We are safe at safeproject.org. Dot, dot org. <laughs> oh, oh. The, <laughs> the fun we have. That's great. Well, um, if you enjoy our podcast or want to learn more or want to judge us as we make fools of ourselves on our podcast... Tune in. Um, yes, tune in. Download. Subscribe. Um, you can find all of all of our podcast episodes at our website, which is again <laughs> safeproject.org. Slash podcast. Podcast dash one. Podcast, podcast dash one. You'll find it. You'll find it if you just go to Safe yep. Project. So subscribe, um, listen. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And reach out if there's anything that you really want to hear us yeah, talk about. Yeah, if you have about. suggestions, reach yeah. out. Well, on that happy, happy note, (laughs) bye-bye. Later. Goodbye.